Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Listen, you need to crucify your passions. You need to crucify your desires. You need to crucify your flesh. But you have already been raised with Christ. Pastor George didn't say that. That's not the PGV version, right? That's the KJV version. That's KJV. It says we are, we are resurrected with Christ. How many of you guys remember uh, uh, Kenneth Hagin? Right? I, I told you that a lot of my inspiration, I've read his book again. Um, and I, although I have my own study, I love reading supplemental books on whatever I'm talking about because I love to hear other people's perspective. He had this amazing quote. Put that quote up there, Zach, by Kenneth Hagin. I, I love what he said, and, I, and it's worthy to look at your screens. He said, when, when we realize, he wrote this book, by the way, like in, in like 1960s or something like that. And he still had a revelation of this, of this authority that so many people, listen, look, before you read this quote, if you talk to pastors, even in conventions, like the way that pastors talk, the way that Christians talk are not as if those that are walking in power. You know, he, I, re, I read an article one time where a pastor said, yeah, I got the devil on the run. He's the one chasing me. And, and I remember the, the, the author said, that, that, type of, that type of vernacular, that type of vocabulary reveals the true heart of Christians, that they're running away from the devil when the devil should be running away from them. And I, I know that sounds a little preachy and old school, but you know what? The Bible says, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit, hit it myself, but look what it says. When we realize that the authority that belongs to Christ also belongs to individual members of the body of Christ and is available to us, our lives will be revolutionized. Guys, I want you to read that again. I want you to, I want you to say, do I actually believe this statement? I want you to see this, this statement, and I want you to see, do I believe it? Not just, it's a good word. It's a good quote. Do I actually believe it and apply it in my life? When we realize the authority that belongs to Christ also belongs to individual members of the body of Christ and is available to us, our lives will be revolutionized. Why do I say that? Why? Because we as a church need to continue to walk in power and victory. But we need to know the authority and the power that's given to us. Why? One of the signs of the last days, you know, we talk about last days and the sun and the moon and the, and the stars and, and all the nation against nation, right? Which is all true. But you know what? There's, uh, there's lots of other mentions of the last days that if you, are you ready for this? This is going to blow you out. That was a wrong term. Anyways. One of the signs of the times, if you start looking at the spiritual condition of the church. You know what the Bible says in the last days, according to Timothy? That in the last days, many people will claim that they're Christians, but they'll deny the power of being a Christian. Look at Second Timothy. Watch this. That's why we need to know the believer's authority and power, because in the last days, you will be deceived. Oh, I'm going to say something real good. This is for free. It's not in my notes. Listen. This means that you could be a successful Christian in the eyes of the world and not even walk in power. It is sad that you could be deemed successful and churches could be packed and not walk in power and not walk in the authority's power or, or, or believer's authority. Look at, what, look at what the Bible says in 2 Timothy. Look at this. Are you enjoying this? It says in NLT, it says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, everybody say last days. Come on, say last days. There will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing in God, disobedient to their parents. That's not happening today, no. And ungrateful, they will, they will consider nothing sacred. 
in the last days. Now, this was wrote, written over 2,000 years ago. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. This is a sign of the last days, right? They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure more than God. Now, watch this in the NLT. They will, <laughs> they will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them holy and godly. Stay away from people like that. See, if I said that, oh, Pastor George, he is just insensitive. He's just, he's just over the top. He is too bold. How dare he say stay away from people? We're supposed to be around people, every person. Paul the apostle told Timothy, there are going to be people that act religious. They smell like a sheep, walk like a sheep, talk like a sheep, and they ain't a sheep, right? There are going to be people in the last days that claim religiosity as a form of Christianity but deny the power that actually makes them holy, being a good person doesn't qualify you to be a, a titled believer. You could be a really moral person, but doesn't mean you're walking in power. It doesn't mean you're walking in victory. It doesn't mean, even mean that you're saved. I want you to be a moral person, but God doesn't say be moral as I am moral. He says, be holy as I am holy. Now, so, so, so the, one of the greatest mysteries, guys is that we are joined together with Christ. Put that, put, that, put that point up there. We are joined together. Now, I'm going to share another scripture real quick. I'm going to do a lot of scriptures today, okay, just so you could follow through. One of the greatest mysteries concerning the authority given to every believer in Christ is the reality that we are joined together in one spirit. Say one spirit. Now, what I'm about to read, what I'm about to read is a mystery. Say a mystery. But, at, but this mystery shows what God has delegated every believer. It's unfathomable to believe that we could actually be one spirit with God. He allows us to be one spirit with him. This is how I want you to see yourself. Do you see yourself not only in Christ, but with Christ, but also one spirit with Christ? See, it got quiet up in this place, right? Look at what 1 Corinthians 6 is because some of you guys don't believe what I'm about to say. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15. Look at what it says, NLT. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Come on, some of you guys need to hear that. Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, watch this, and join. Everybody say join. And join it to a prostitute? Never. Now, he's giving an illustration about what, what is about to happen next. Now watch this. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, am I getting anybody here? He becomes one body with her. Don't, don't ask me to fully explain that to you. But what, what the Paul, Paul the Apostle is saying is there is a union that comes through agreement. When you agree on something, you unify yourself with something. If you are agreeing with pornography, you're unifying yourself with pornography. If you are agreeing with anger and violence, you are you, you're uniting yourself together like super glue, like super glue with violence. So that means your identity takes on what you agree upon. Now watch this. Watch this. For the scripture says the two are united in one. Here's, here's the mind-boggling truth, this next verse. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Are you kidding me? 
That means if we come into full agreement and surrender ourselves, body, soul, and spirit to the Lord, you know what's going to happen? That means the Bible says we are one spirit with him. That means when we say come out, Jesus through us is saying come out. When we say be healed, Jesus through us is saying be healed. When we're saying I declare for a breakthrough, Jesus through us, we are in agreement with everything that God says. That means we are one spirit with him. Some of you need to stop working for God and working from God. Don't work for God. Work from God. When you work for the Lord, you know, you know what I said to the Lord the other day, and it sounds really crazy. Sometimes I have these talks with God. I said, Lord, let's do it, me and you together. Let's do it. And I felt like the Lord says, that's what I want you. I want partnership. I don't want you to just work for me. I want you to work from me. I, if you desire to do that, I desire more to do that. Come on, say amen. amen. Say amen. So this is what I'm going to do. I know what the Bible says where it says, Jesus said, you know, if you believe in me, greater works than, me, than I, you will do. Now, and a lot of people say, well, what's the greater works? Let me just pause and say this. Let's not even worry about that, what the greater works is, because now we're not even doing the works. <laughs> he, says, he, says, he says, if you believe in me, you will do greater works. Let's first focus on the works of Jesus before we focus on the greater works. Why? Because the church needs to know who they are, and then the church needs to know what the authority of every believer is. I'm here to tell you that if you're born again and you're saved, you have just as much right and power to lay hands on someone that's sick and they get recovered as someone who's been walking for 20 years. I love what Pastor John says. The little children don't have little Holy Spirit in them. The authority of the believer is this. Now, watch this. To the degree that you walk in power, are you ready for this? It's to the degree that you walk in agreement with the Lord and everything that he says. If you only believe in an agreement with half of what he says, then you're going to have walk in half of the power. Why? How can two walk together unless they agree upon? That's what the Bible says. But in your agreement comes your union. That's why the Bible says he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Digest that. Come on. That should give you a praise break. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You are joined with the Lord. You're one with the Lord. So that means look at yourself. How's your life? Is the, is the Lord supposed to look like that? That means it's possible that you and I walk in freedom. Do we walk in perfection? No. So here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to give you five. Everybody say five. Ways that other than faith, de declaration, and... Um, and action that we talked about in, in week one on how to exercise your authority. Say exercise. Now, how many, how many people um, exercise in here? Come on, don't be shy. Come on, don't be shy. I know I'm one of them. I know it's okay. I know I, you could tell, you know, got the six pack by faith, right? In the name of Jesus. Just got to look real hard. You got to look real hard. You got to have faith, right? We walk by faith, not by sight. So, so, so. so. <laughs> so, so watch, watch. How many exercise, honestly, on a, on a regular basis? How many exercise? Okay, okay. So do, 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 do muscles and tone and losing a weight come the first day you work out? Right? <laughs> right? They don't come the seventh day either. But there's a combination. You have to watch what you eat, right? You have to watch what you eat. And then you have to go to the gym. And then you also work out, and it's painful. 
But exercising means you get stronger. Now, there's a way that you exercise in the spirit realm how to activate authority and power and victory. And I'm going to give you five of them, okay? And I didn't read it in the book. It's just after walking with God for many years and after just thinking about how I activate or exercise authority, I'm going to give you some practical ways and I'm going to give you some scripture, all right? The first way, in addition, in addition to faith, actions, and declaration we talked about is number one. I love this. The first way, not the only way, the first way, using the scriptures. Boy, that is the spiritual dumbbell for the Lord. That is the bench press. That is the whole gymnasium right there. The way, one of the ways that believers exercise, everybody say exercise, authority is through the scriptures. You have no authority if you're just in your opinion, even as a Christian. That's why I love what Pastor Christina says. You know, what breaks his heart is what breaks ours. When we're more concerned about political views than joining ourselves with the Lord, forget about, your, forget about the political party because really both, both of them at the end of the day are severely flawed. What we will do... <laughs> Before you are a Republican or before you're a Democrat or before you're independent, you are a Christian. You're a daughter. You're a son. Now, with that, you align yourself with biblical principles. I will not vote for anybody that kills babies. I just won't. I just won't. Amen. So, so watch this. Watch this. Using the scripture is one of the greatest ways that you and I could exercise authority over the devil, over our family, over the finances, over the turmoil. My beloved friends, start praying the scriptures, start using the scriptures, start quoting the scriptures. Even if you don't feel like it, crack that word open because the only way that faith comes is by hearing and hearing of the word. And sometimes you need to hear yourself saying the word. You need to speak the word out loud so that while you're speaking the word, your own words are bringing you faith. You're like, man, that was good. And you're high-fiving the Lord. Yeah, And the Lord says, you just said it. Faith is coming when you say it. I had a vision years ago that I told you guys when I was at OHOP. I had a vision that I, that I saw the Lord literally standing right in front of every, uh, somebody. And this somebody was pleading, Lord, I want more faith. How many, in, in all honesty, I've prayed that, Lord, increase my faith, increase my faith. Lord, increase my faith. I don't have enough faith. Oh, increase my faith. I need to step out in faith. And, I hear, and I, in this vision, I saw, give me more faith. Give me more faith. And in the vision, I saw the Lord saying, get in the word. Get in the word. Get in the word. Literally, I saw that. I saw this person, like, not even paying attention to the Lord. I want more faith. And Jesus says, more word. And the Lord says, the more word you have, the more faith you'll get. So you have to exercise authority with the word. Everybody say the word. Many times where Jesus, throughout the scripture, you always hear Jesus saying, it is written. It is written. It is written. It's amazing that Jesus is the word, and he always used the word. It is written. It is written. The temptation. It is written. It is written. Jesus had every power in himself to prove to the devil, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show you. He knew his... Let me just pause. This is good stuff. When you don't know your identity, you're going to try to prove yourself to the devil. You're going to try to prove yourself to people, even, even when it's something good for the Lord. The devil said, hey, if you're the son of God, identity, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. The, a person with an orphan spirit that doesn't know who they are, they're like, what? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to pray right now. I'm gonna, I'm, you'll see them. My, my, because we get our identity by what we do instead of who we are. 
But watch this. Using the scripture will relieve us from that. Look at Jeremiah chapter 23. This is good stuff here. Jeremiah 23 verse 29. Say, use the scripture. Look at verse 29. Verse chapter 23. Are you ready? Say amen when you're there. Is not my word like a fire? Come on. Is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces? Church, do you really want to get into a place where you start breaking the hard, rocked, rocked, hard, hearted heart of some of the people that you love, even of your own heart? Start releasing the word. That's how you exercise authority. If you know someone that has a hard heart, start speaking the word of God over them. Don't speak your opinion about them. Don't speak your frustration about them. <laughs> Believe me, I had to do that. I'm like, Lord, I just, <laughs> they frustrate me. And the Lord says, speak the word over them. You know that backsliding person, that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter? Stop complaining about what they're doing. That's not going to, oh, here's a good one. And don't keep highlighting their backslidingness. You think, they already know they're backsliding. You know you're backsliding. You know you shouldn't do that. Oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. Man, I never knew I was backsliding all these times where I was in the bar. All these times where I'm not coming to church. I, I don't even know that. No, but when you start speaking destiny and identity through the word, your son, it doesn't matter if you're out in the bars, you're just working on your testimony. You're coming back, right? Speak the word, right? Now, my favorite of all the, the word scriptures is Psalm 119. We're not going to go there, but the other famous best one that I like, and I'm going to go quick, is Hebrews chapter 4. Many of you know this, but I just want to say, as we're talking about the believer's power, and authority. Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to go really quick, but this is good stuff. NLT. I love the NLT version. For the word of God is alive. Oh, I love that. You're not, when you open your Bible, it's alive. It's alive. It's not a history document. It's alive. And many times, if you allow it to, the words will come out of that page and pierce your heart and release fire in your soul. For the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any sharp-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. Can I hear an amen? amen? So the first way to exercise authority is through the scriptures, all right? Now here's the second way. The second way to exercise authority in your everyday life, this is going to be simple, but we're not doing it, is through prayer and intercession. Please hear what I'm about to say. Prayer and intercession releases what I call the, the, the weapons of mass destruction on the enemy's camp. Prayer and intercession is the God-given ability and authority. Do you realize that he's had, when the Bible says that, that he's given us weapons for the warfare that is not carnal but mighty in God, for the pulling down of strongholds, what do you think one of those weapons are? When you, you, you want to walk in authority, how many want to walk in authority? There's no greater place to walk in authority than to develop a prayer life privately and corporately. But if you look around churches all across America and prayer meetings all across America, they're the least attended in all of the other events that they have, which means we have access to great power, but people are not accessing them because it takes work. Because exercise doesn't happen. Exercise doesn't happen automatically. You've got to work at it. Prayer is so essential. You know what prayer and intercession is for the believer? It is like having access to all these nuclear missiles, and you're like this little kid, and this big old red button there, and you're like, can I touch that red button? Can I touch that launch button? Can I touch that? And, and, and the Lord, the Father goes, if you pray, I'll let you touch that button. So what happens is you start praying, and you start bombarding heaven over people, over your life, and watch it. It releases supernatural power, and then the Lord opens up that thing, and he says, push that red button. And now... 
And now when that button is hit, the missiles from heaven from the Lord are launched to bombard the enemy's camp on your behalf. It's through prayer and intercession. Do you know what happens when we get here and there's like seven or eight of us and we bombard heaven on Tuesdays? Do you know that you may not see something in the natural, but in the spirit realm, there's missiles from the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, you want to exercise authority? Open up your mouth, develop a prayer life. Now, amen. Amen. I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something in the TPT version. Do you guys know the, the, the Passion Translation? It's really, it's really been changing my life. Like the, the Passion Translation, I'm going to read something to you in, in James chapter uh, 5. And I'm going to read something uh, to you because exercising authority through prayer and intercession is not only, listen, the established way in heaven. Listen, but it's encouraged to be done by the most normal human beings. When we think of intercession and prayer, we, most of us are like, are like this. Well, I don't know how to pray. I don't have a real prayer life. I just, I pray for like two minutes and I get bored. I don't know. And I tell people, do you know how to talk? They're like, yes, I know how to talk. What kind of question is that? I go, if you know how to talk, then you know how to pray. Because prayer is talking to God. And then using the scriptures while you pray, it's even, now you get not only missiles, now you get tanks. Now you get soldiers. Now watch how James writes about the everyday normal Christian and the power of prayer. I saw in the, in, the, in the Passion Translation seven times in these verses, I want you to underline the word pray or prayer. Are you ready? Look at this. Are there any believers in your fellowship suffering great hardship or distress? Pause, pause. Is there any believers? Don't raise your hand. In our fellowship, come on somebody, that are suffering great distress and hardship right now. Okay, right, yes, right? Look at the answer. He didn't say go to counseling sessions, even though that's great. That's great. Look at this. He says, encourage them to pray. I was waiting for a greater amen than that. Encourage, <laughs> encur <laughs> encourage them to pray. Hmm. Never heard of that one before. Encourage them to pray. Watch this. Are they happy? That's number one. Underline every time, every time you see prayer. Are they happy? Cheerful ones among you? Encourage them to sing out their praises. Okay. Are there any sick among you? Is there any sick people here? Watch this. Then ask the elders of the church to come and pray. over the sick and anoint them with oil in the name of our Lord. And the pray. of faith will heal the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have committed sins, they will be forgiven. Confess and acknowledge that you have offended one another and then pray. for one another to be instantly healed. Oh, watch this. I, I, I highlighted this in red in my notes. Watch this next one. Watch this in the TPT. For tremendous power. Oh, I love it. Watch this. Tremendous. Everybody say tremendous power. Is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. I'm going to read that again. For tremendous power. Hello? What are we talking about? The believer's authority and power? Tremendous power. Say tremendous power. Is released. Say is released. Through the passionate, heartfelt, Prayer of a godly believer. You want tremendous power? It's simple. You don't have to go to some place. You don't have to go to some, some area to get it. You just have to have develop a prayer life. And that's how you exercise authority in your life. Look at this. Now watch this. Everybody say a normal person. Prays with power. I love this next verse. Elijah was a man of human frailties. In other words, he was just as weak as any of us. Watch this. Just like all of us, but he what? Prayed. 
Come on, come on, church. He what? And received supernatural answers. He actually shut the heavens over the land so there would be no rain for three and a half years. Watch this. Then he prayed again, and the skies were open over the land so that the rain came again and produced a harvest. Say prayer and intercession. Before I go to the n- number three today in my message, I'm going to encourage everyone in this building to make a sacrifice. That's right. I said it. It's a curse word in the kingdom. I understand that. Sacrifice in local, in the kingdom today, in America today, the word sacrifice is, is, is uh, being insensitive. So if, I, if we ask someone to sacrifice for the sake of prayer, you're just insensitive, Pastor George. You don't know that I work 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week. Some people tell me, I'm not, I'm not at church because I'm tired. And I feel like saying, I'm tired too, and I'm at church too. Now watch this. I'm going to encourage every one of you to activate prayer in your life privately, but I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to ask you, yes, it's a sacrifice to some, to start trying to make it to our corporate prayer nights. I know, I, believe me, I know it's a sacrifice. We're all tired. But let me tell you, once the, once the band gets going and we all are in unison, we cry out together, let me tell you, supernatural things happen. People who get healed watching online while, while we're praying. The movement of the Holy Spirit is activated in the local church because of prayer. Guys, start developing a prayer life. That's number two. All right, number three. Number three. The third way you exercise authority, now watch this, is by boldness and confidence. In other words, the way that you release authority and walk in authority, the way you release it is not only through the scriptures, it's not only through prayer, and I'm going to give you scripture, but it's through boldness and and confidence. Now, this is a little mystery because the way that you actually exercise um, authority over some problematic areas, there has to be boldness mingled with your faith. I said there has to be boldness and confidence mingled with your faith. If, if we're praying, as a matter of fact, I remember praying the other day, and nobody knows this, it's just me and God, and I prayed something, and how many of you, when you know the word, you, you pray something, you say something, and immediately the Lord convicts you because of what came out your mouth, right? So I prayed something the other day, uh, and because sometimes I have still bad pain with the nerve condition that I have, and um, I said, I, I prayed something, and then in my frustration, I mumbled, and I said, oh, it don't, it don't, it don't matter, I'm not going to get healed anyways, because, you know, just like that, be honest, I'm not, it doesn't matter, I've been praying for two years, and I heard, the, I heard, like literally, after I said that, privately, I was, I was opening the refrigerator, I'm like, hey, it don't matter, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get healed anyways, I heard the Holy Spirit say, if you can, that's a double-minded person, James. Like the, the word James, you're a double-minded person. Expect that person not to receive anything from the Lord. I go, I go no, Lord, I am going to be healed. I'm, forgive me. Forgive me for not having that. So guess what? When I had faith, it created boldness. Now, I'm going to say something really powerful right now, and I want you to write this down. Actually, uh, it's going to be up on the screen. How do you create greater boldness in your life? Yeah, you pray for it. You spend time with the Lord, right? It's not by personality. Please, don't think boldness is your personality. That is not what boldness is. But you increase boldness by having increased hope about a situation. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. When increased hope is in you about an outcome of something that God is willing to do and able to do, your boldness will increase when hope is increased. I'm going to prove it by Scripture. Say this with me. Hope is increased. Sorry, sorry. Boldness is increased when hope is increased. Now put that, put that slide up there, guys. Great hope produces great boldness. Hear me. 
Have anybody has been has anybody been despondent in any time in their life? Do you know what the despondent means? I have. Despondent means where you just can't fight anymore. You feel there's not there's a, a dead end. You've been fighting and claiming and nothing's happening. I've been despondent. Let me tell you the times when I've been despondent, boldness was not there. Because because hope, a lack of hope, makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. What is, what is, I never broke that down. You know what making the heart sick is? Part of it is an unhealthy spiritual heart that lacks boldness and confidence. Now watch this scripture. This is beautiful. Second Corinthians 3, verse 11 to 12. Second Corinthians 3, I'm almost done. Watch this. If, in the New King James, if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. I want everyone to read this boldly with me. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness. Do you hear that? Therefore, because, because we have such hope, we have great boldness. So guess what? Paul the Apostle says, our great boldness doesn't come from our personality. Our great boldness comes because we have great hope. Do you hear me? If you have great hope that Jesus will do what he says he will do and that his word is true, even that when you don't see he's working, even though I don't see that he's working, he never stops, never stops working. When you believe that, you'll have hope and then you have boldness. I, it's a mystery, but whenever there's hope, there's boldness. Whenever there's not hope, there's very little boldness, even to claim the promises of God over your life. Come on, say Amen. The fourth one, and I'm, I'm almost done. I actually skipped a lot here. All right? The fourth way to exercise authority. Now, this may be a mystery to you, is doing the works of God. Now, I know that sounds really weird to some of you guys. The fourth way to exercise authority and activate, sorry, authority and power and victory in your life is by doing the works of God. And I'm going to go real fast here. All right? Then I'm going to have the worship team come up in just a few minutes. Now, look at me. Because... Doing the works of the Lord helps advance the kingdom of God and destroy the plans of the enemy. Doing the works, that's right, that sounds carnal, right? But doing the works of God helps destroy the kingdom of darkness and establish the plans of God. Let me tell you something. This is really powerful. Jesus did not defeat the enemy by walking around loving the Father only. Some of us feel like we're in this glory cloud and all we got to do is just love God and never do any works of righteousness, never any do. You know what? He did, Jesus didn't say, well, I just love you, Father. I just love you, Father. And I'm just going to stay here in this corner loving you for the rest of my life. No, he had to do the works of the Lord. As a matter of fact, he says, my, they, hey, feed them. He's hungry. He goes, my work, my work, my food, sorry, is to do the work of the Lord and to finish his work, right? So when he... When he went to the cross, that is the works of God that destroys the kingdom of darkness. When you and I are faithful, watch this, in our mandated calling of God and do the works of God, we are discombobulating the enemy's work and we're going behind him and undoing everything that the enemy is doing. The works of the Lord. If you, if you are obedient in doing the works of the Lord, you will exercise authority over the devil. Do you know that? Watch this. Every time you lay hands on the sick and they recover, you're exercising authority over the devil. Come on. Every time you say, you know what? I have faith. I'm going to lay hands on this person that's sick, harvest that's sick, and I'm going to believe that God is going to raise them up. You just took authority over the devil's kingdom in that area. Why? Because oppression, sickness is from the enemy. Now watch this. I'm just going to give you these quick scriptures, and then we're going to pray. Watch, watch this. What I love about the works of the Lord is because we, the Bible, Jesus said we're the salt of the earth. That's 
talking about the works of the Lord. We are the salt of the earth. Now, there's many, those of you who've known me for years, there's many definitions for salt in the natural, but there's one that I love. One of the purposes of salt in the natural is that it holds back darkness. It preserves decay so that the food can last longer. What happens is when you do the work of the Lord, you're pouring salt on the enemy's wounds. Come on. The works of God help you exercise authority over the kingdom of darkness. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Even the Great Commission. You know that the Great Commission is in, is in Matthew 28, but it's also in Mark 16. Now in Matthew 28, it doesn't, give it, it doesn't give the whole picture as Matthew 16 does. So the commissioning is this. He says this. And because of the time, I'm just going to read it. Mark 16. And it says, And these signs shall follow those who believe. Watch this. In my name, they will cast out. Uh, sorry, sorry. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Then he says, in these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, by no means hurt them. In other words, the Great Commission is not just about discipling and saving souls. It's also about destroying the works of darkness. Right? Come on. You know what the Bible says? For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Don't be fooled, church. If the devil has a work, don't, don't you believe the people of God have the work to do? For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. How, watch this, you're going to love this, uh, and I'm going to close with this. How does Jesus destroy the works of the devil? I'm glad you asked. In the Amplified Version in Acts chapter 16. Look, look at this. Look, look up with me. In Acts chapter, if the worship team could start coming up. I just have a couple more scriptures and then we're going to close. Look at this. Look at this. Acts chapter 16. Sorry, sorry, 10. My bad. Acts chapter 10. Media team was like, no, I don't have that. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. Look at this. Look at this. How God anointed and consecrated Jesus. Is it, this is in the Amplified, right? Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with strength and ability. Watch this. For this purpose, the Son of God has manifested that he might destroy the works of, of the devil. Watch this. How he went around doing good. Wait, wait a minute. Time out, time out, time out, time out. Doing what? Come on, doing what? So isn't that, not, isn't that that the work of Jesus? He didn't just love good. He did good. Oh, come on. He, he, he didn't just love good. He did good. That means he did good works. Stop saying, oh, yeah, but we're saved by faith. Yeah, you are, but I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about doing the works of the Lord after you're saved. Right? James said, look. Prove your faith without works, not prove it by my works. Right? Now watch this. How he went around doing good, watch, in particular, curing all who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil, for God was with him. How did God, how did Jesus discombobulate the devil's work? By doing good works. Everything that the enemy did, he, Jesus came behind him and undid everything that the enemy did. Everything that the enemy did, Jesus came, and listen, you know how he took authority over the devil? By curing diseases, and it made the devil angry. Come on, say amen. Healing all who were oppressed. Everybody say oppressed. If you were the devil, and you spent time oppressing people, and here comes Jesus, or his people, healing all that you oppressed, you would be hampered. And that's exactly what the works of God does. The works of God discombobulates all the oppression of the enemy. Come on, say amen. Say Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Really quick. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And then lastly, this is the last point. Put that last point up there. Are you getting something on this? Don't fall asleep on me. Come on now. 
Number five, the last point. How you exercise authority is by the combination of submitting to God and resisting the devil. Now this right here is a little old-fashioned because in our new wave of revelations, we've been taught that we don't have to resist the devil. You know, God is already in it. We don't have to resist. No, the Bible in the New Testament is very clear that there are certain times that you have to make a conscious decision to say, devil, take your hands off of my family. See, some of these old saints like, like Smith Wigglesworth and all these guys, they had it right. We kind of evolved into saying, like, we don't need to. I'm not saying go pick a fight. And, like, there's some people that go to the extreme. Like, hey, where's the devil? I'm going I'm to show him. No, no, no. Sometimes, though, I'm talking about you have to be intentional of the enemy that's in your house, the enemy that's in your surroundings. And you have to watch this. I'm going to prove it to you. Intentionally face him and say, no more. Some of you need to kick the devil out of your house. But some of you need to do it intentionally, but you need to watch this. You need to submit to God, hear me, please hear me, and resist the devil. How do you resist the devil if you are totally oblivious to resist him? If you're totally oblivious to, uh, to confront him. Now watch this really quick. Change four. Therefore, submit yourself to God. Put that up there. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will what? Now look at First Peter. And this is where I'm going to end, the last scripture. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Are you all there? Verse uh, 8 through 11, and this is the, the, the Passion Translation. Verse 8, here it goes. Say amen you're there. Be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, I love how this reads, roams around, like an, roam around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for a prey to devour. Now, now I want you to see this. Everyone who says, well, I don't really need to face the enemy. Look at this. Look at this. Take a decisive stand against him. Hello? Hello? Well, I'm just going to let things be because I'm a son of God. and I'm a No, no, no. There are certain times you say, I've identified you and I'm coming against you. Take a decisive stand, okay, against the enemy and resist. Everybody say resist. I'm, I'm, don't, this is not PG. Now watch this. Resist his every attack. Are you ready with this? With strong, vigorous faith. Resist every one of his attacks. That means get your hands off my children. Get your hands off my body. Get your hands off my finances. I know, I know. To some of you like, oh, they're so old school. We need to get back to some of this stuff. We need to get back to, you know what? Don't look for a fight. Don't say, hey, devil, where are you? No, but if he's been in your house for a while, start taking a decisive stand. The Bible says a decisive stand and resist him. You can't resist anybody that you think is invisible. You have to resist somebody that you can see. And you know what the word resist means in the Hebrew and in the Greek? I looked it up. It means to focus on, focus on setting oneself against someone to oppose. That means when you resist the enemy with everything in you, you're A, identifying him, and you're opposing him. You're not passively saying, I'm a Christian, and one of these days, because I love God so much, this trial is just going to end. Sometimes you have to take authority over the devil. Sometimes you have to do that, and you have to say, no more. Take a decisive stand. It's time to walk in power. It's time to walk in victory. It's time to take a stand. Come on, church. It's time to exercise authority. It's time to exercise your faith. It's time to exercise scripture. It's time to have a prayer life. It's time to have boldness. 
through confidence and hope. And some of you, some of you, I feel from the Lord, you, ne- you need to turn around and say, you need to make a decisive decision to say, the enemy of my soul is no longer going to attack my life. Can you, do you believe that? Come on, do you believe that? Say amen. I want you to stand up. Come on. Come on, we're going to pray. We're going we're gonna to worship with a song here. We've already had an incredible altar call, but I want to stir your faith. I, I saw in a vision that as we were worshiping, I want us to get in little pockets of four or five people, and I want us to pray. I want you to pray this in your own words, that you begin to exercise the authority that God has given you. Ask the Lord to open your eyes. Come on. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes that whatever is in your life, or in your family that you have failed to exercise authority. That today, while we pray, that you start exercising authority. Let me tell you, it, some, oh, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this. Some, this is a prophecy for some of you. Listen, some things will not just go away on its own. I'm going to say that again. Some things will not go away on your own. I want you to, to group in about three or four or five people. Come on, around you. And I want you, as we worship, I want you to begin to pray that you will begin to exercise. Ask God to show you areas that you have not exercised your authority. And begin to exercise your authority, come on, through prayer, through faith, come on, through ability, through boldness. In Jesus' name. Come on, stir it up. Come on, ask God, where can I exercise my authority? Where can I stir it up? Come on. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.